Welcome to the Seven Ways Podcast, Sefer Shoftim, the Book of Judges. In this downstream, downstream from religion series, the third season of the Seven Ways Podcast, I welcome you. Please subscribe, tell your friends, and write a good review. Email me with comments or questions, rabbi at rabbibailey.com. This week we'll discuss Yiftach and some other shoftim. Last week we ended off talking about, about Yair, and I neglected to mention that Yair means to illuminate. He illuminated Torah and mitzvos, the study and the, and the commandment deeds in those times. This is heavily contrasted to what happens after this. It says, Ve'yisifu b'nei Yisrael, the, the children of Israel continued to do the bad in the eyes of Hashem, and they served Baalim, that's one, Ashtaros, two, the gods of Aram, three, gods of Tidon, four, gods of Moab, five, gods of Ammon, six, and the gods of Plishtim, that's seven, that magic number again, and Ve'azvu, they actively forsook actively pushed away Hashem and did not serve him. So immediately the Gemara in Beitza, in Beya, Chafhei on page 25, picks up on this sequence. There's seven nations, and on top of that, it says they did not serve Hashem, and at the end it says they forsook him. So what does that mean? Of course, we already know if they don't serve Hashem, they forsook him. So, Rabbi Elazar says, Akadosh Baruch Hu says, God says, it's just like this vegetable, that if you cook it seven times, it's finely edible and tasty at the end of the meal. So too, there were seven nations. So what is, what is this analogy analogizing to? So initially, Rashi says, they did not serve a God, even Bashutpus, even as a partner. In other words, the, a cook cooks this very difficult, nasty dish the whole time. And even at the end, there's no salvation. So even as a partnership, Israel did not uh, go through trials and tribulations of God. There's death, self-flagellation of Vodazara, and there was no redeeming quality to it. That, that's the general metaphor. Others tack the metaphor either on Israel or on God. That God was bothered to try and cook the food to get something good. So God gave them seven stages of retribution and pressure and abuse to try to do abuse meaning difficult violence to try and do Teshuva, not abuse, abuse, but getting their attention to do Teshuva. But they didn't do so, and the Kaddish Baruch Hu's actions were for naught. Nothing was squeezed out of there. <coughs> Another way to look at it, which is the way the Rabbeinu Hanana looks at it, it's going on the Jewish people, and I'm going to elaborate on that 
approach, a couple of other people have this angle in the analogy that Israel is the one that was sort of cooking their own goose. So we know that Avodah Zarah is a, an abusive cult of death worship and damage, psychological and sociological damage, perverting creation, etc. So Israel themselves went through seven awful stages of nasty, satanic, self-flagellation, self-flagellating death worship, and nothing good came of it except for lost life, children, and scars, and intermarriage. But they still didn't get the point of the opportunity to worship HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's how vicious these times were. It just got worse. So you might expect me to tie in the seven nations, matching all the seven spheros. However, I am going to be objective here and say they do not. They match up a certain spheros or abstract ideas. Let's go through them. So we've spoken about Baalim and Ashtaros, uh, these male and female archetypes. And today, uh, we're going to speak about the upper spheros as well. Definitely with the Shoftim that come. But also here, male and female archetypes. The Chachma uh, is very much associated with the men and Bina with the feminine. So here you have Ba'alim and Ashtaros, Chachma and Bina, you have sort of wisdom and toughness with Ba'alim. Those are the handsome, wonderful superheroes who became ugly superheroes. The Ashtaros, the female, feminine, fertility, lowercase g goddesses. The gods of Aram, hearken back to when a snail Ben Kanas smote those gods of Aram. They have a lot more flavor now than they did before. We spoke about how before there was a regression into such tohu vavahu, such nothingness, that a snail ben Kanaz had to get rid of Avraham's evil uh, foes. The gods of Mesopotamia crept back. And now we understand the spheros better. If you look around that whole area in the Middle East, those nations took turns being... Malchus nations in charge. For all you Spheros fans, if you go through the 49, the second to last one is Yesod Shabbat Malchus, which is Malchus as a primary, Yesod as the specificity. So I think, you know, each of these nations take, t- takes turn being very powerful, being Yesod Shabbat Malchus, and Mashiach is always Malchus Shabbat Malchus. So, any, you know, the Savior comes in history. It's Kaddish Baruch it's God leading people, and at the end of days, it'll be Malchus of Malchus coming, the final step in the 49 or the 343. So Aram here, gods of Aram, Malchus. Asnil ben Kanaz vanquished that oppressive Malchus. SLH Tzidon. Tzidon, I believe, is a Malchus nation, Malchus so They are up in the maritime uh, trade, very prosperous, just doing their thing. Underrated villains here. Keep tabs on them. Gods of Moab and Ammon. We connected them to Chesed and Gevura. So the Chesed gods, which is just believing in everything, like Eglon, who Ehud smote, and Ammon, we identified with Gevura, and the gods of Plishtim. So those are Gevura, Gevura nation with Gevura gods of money and greed. 
and therefore Sukkah time. So it's essentially, they participated in the most primal and the most oppressive types of nations and gods, and they still actively forsook HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So God became upset and sold them into the hands of the Plishtim and the Bnei Amon. So two Gevurah nations. It makes sense that they would be oppressed with Gevurah because even though Malchus is sort of quote-unquote mightier than Gevurah, Gevurah is fire. Gevurah is meant to trim the dead off the rosebush to make the beautiful rosebush of Tiferes. It's a refining mita. It attacks the dead part of it. It pressures people to be stronger. It is an effective mita, powerful mita. And Bani Yisrael, Vayiratsu, they, uh, oh no, these nations, sorry, these nations, evil nations, broke and crushed the Jewish people. That year, for, for 18 years, the Jewish people um, went on the other side of the Jordan River, many of them. The Bani Yisrael, who were on, who were on the other side of the Yardin? Some people learned that many people gathered there. That hence my confusion. And the Bnei Yisrael cried out because the Amun came to do war with Yehuda, Binyamin, and Ephraim. So it makes sense. Yehuda is the mightiest nation. The kingship is supposed to come from there. Binyamin is, quote-unquote, the weakest nation. They're not really the weakest. They're the most malleable, you know. And as Gidon says, he come, it's the smallest, youngest Shevet, it's the smallest. It's not the obviously potent. And then, Babes Ephraim, the house of Ephraim. So Ephraim is the second leader. It's the glue in the middle of Israel. They attack them. Notice how it says Babes Ephraim. Keep that in mind. House of Ephraim. It's much more personal. And evil Ammon oppressed them. The Jewish people cried out to Hashem, and Hashem says, You know what? I took you out of Mitzrayim, Amori, Ammoni, Plishti, Tidoni. I'm like, I saved you so many times. Why don't you go... Trust in the gods that you trust in. If you think they're so important, you serve them for so long. And the Jewish people cried out and said, No, we, we, we've sinned to God. We are so, so sorry. They took out the foreign gods from their midst, and they served Hashem. And his Hashem's spirit could no longer tolerate the travail of Israel. So there's always room to do teshuva. And the children of Ammon cried out. They mustered the people. They encamped in Gilad. So we, we'll say, you heard Gilad a lot. It's the land on the other side of the Jordan River. <coughs> there was a man named Gilad and several other men named Gilad. Don't get too confused. Try to look at different uh, gene- genealogy books. All right. Uh, the people, the the sorry, the, the leaders, princes of Gilad said, whichever man will begin to do battle against Ammon will become the leader of the inhabitants of Gilad. So already you see there's a need. People people are gathering together to give forth to what we're going to call Malchus. Now, now we're not just dealing with Malchus here. Let's talk about Keser. Okay? So we define Malchus in the introduction and other times as all of the Pratim are already together, which comes from Yisod usually. And the, the group is together. They want someone to lead them. The will of the people is there. And the, the, the Melech, whoever is ruling will execute the will of the people. So, here, we're adding Kesser. Kesser is defined by the Shara'ura, when all of the Pratim are tight in the claw. Everything in the system is together, just like 
the crown on the head of a king is tight circle around there. So just as the, the crown of a king is a tight circle on the head, so too all the pratim are in the claw. These people gather, they say, come and not just save the day, but come and be the leader. This leadership very much has parallels to Shaul becoming the king. Asking for a king in the wrong way is the real theme. Asking for a king to be like the Gentiles instead of um, a mitzvah. It's a commandment and it's the right time. Now here, they need someone to help them, but they did not have the grassroots movement we've been speaking about. He's not executing the will of the people in terms of pure goodness and unity. He becomes a forceful leader, a tragic figure. And we haven't found that the righteousness um, versus go ahead and have your king, says Hashem. In the Midrash, he calls him, uh, in the Midrash, Yiftach calls himself a Melech, king. In the Pasuk, in the sentences, he's called Rosh, the head, Katsin, the head of the tribe. So tribe is confusing. Here it means more like the classical sense of a, you know, small, medium band of people. We say tribe for Shevet because that's a, just the best English word some people could find. Shevet is really like a jurisdiction, and it really relates to almost to a state. You know, we talked about the state of Israel, the state of Missouri. Those are sovereign entities. So Shevet, each one has sort of its own jurisdiction. The scepter, the gavel, the scepter. So here he's a tribal chief, Rosh. It's reminiscent of when the Jewish people say in the desert, let us make a Rosh, let's make a head to this corpus of people to take us back to Egypt. The head is the, the necessary leader. Sociologically speaking, groups don't really function as a group. There are individuals in charge that set things in motion. Hence the Yisod Malchus uh, people types or the just style of influence, regardless of the personality. So I want to postulate as follows. Within Sefer Shoftim, this book of Judges, there are several people that harness parts of the Malchus Mita, parts of this monarchical commanding personality. No one has it in total until you get to Devon Melech, who has it in total. The Latin, not mumbling there. So, Asniel ben Kanaz earlier, he's from Shevet Yehuda, he's from the proper tribe of Judah, he has raw power and masculinity. So he has the lineage, the raw power, and the masculinity. Yiftach here, we're going to see he has a chip on his shoulder for being uh, oppressed, and strong leadership. And later on, Shimshon, who also seems to have Yisod and Gevura, we'll get into it, he actively goes out in a provocative way that's good to keep the enemy at bay. To say it in a different way, societies that are based on kings, the downside is the king controls everything and dominates and taxes and oppresses. More democratic societies are great because they have personal freedom, but they have less people with a healthy paranoia pushing away invaders. Um, and, and sedition from within, obviously, 
is incredibly potent invader. So democracies also lack stopping loopholes, as we see in our world sitting here in October 2021. You know, people enjoy open society and freedom, but there's not really a head filtering everything through that kesser, this like singular ego to think about where corruption is going to come from. In fact, this is this is Rambam says the Melech. He writes that the Melech can judge, but he doesn't. He doesn't. Uh, a lot of times, he's trying to figure out people's getting through the loopholes where things fall through the law. Okay. So let's get into Yiftach as a paradigm for Kesser, and by default, Malchus. So Yiftach. Uh, the Giladi, so a Giladite is someone who lives on the other side of the Jordan River, uh, farther to the north. So if you've seen Israel, you picture our triangle, squished triangle. The top of the pyramid of the triangle has been turned 90 degrees counterclockwise. It points to the left on the right side of the Jordan River. To the right of that is the Transjordan, where several tri two and a half tribes live. Um, you got the Dead Sea around the middle by Judah. Down south is a desert land. Most of the tribes live up north. And you have the Sea of Galilee farther up north. And in between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea is the Jordan River. To the right of there is called the Gilad. Again, there's a man named Gilad. And there's another person, Gilad. It's a name that cycles in just like a year. Uh, people were living it up in the Transjordan. Lots of wealth, lots of animals. Greenery until you hit the desert. Yashar, yashar. Keep going straight until you hit the desert. So, Yitach lived there. Gibor um, Chayel, so he was a mighty warrior, honorous, but he was Ben Isha Zona. The honor was in the fighting. He was a son of a Zona. So either he actually was a son of a prostitute, excuse my language, or he had a mother who was from a different shave at a different tribe. They were mixing tribes. That was considered a taboo thing in those days where they had to relinquish their property, etc. Either way, the underlying idea was that people didn't like his origins, his lineage. Gilad Father Yiftach, nonetheless. So, he is driven out. He will not inherit. And he travels somewhere else to the land of Tov. He goes farther north by north, east, land of goodness. So already, um, Malchus. So David and Malchus in his life, it says, Evan Masu Habonam Pina. The stone that was despised by the builders has become the keystone of the arch or the foundation stone of the building. Someone can have a brash personality but they end up being exactly the, need, the leader that people need, but they are despised at the beginning. Um, David Melech is called small, he's disregarded, he's pushed away. Many people who are driven by the chip on the shoulder, Malchus, have been abused and pushed down when they were young. And they don't back down, they take that chip on the shoulder, they take that squashing, the pushing down, and they're driven to achieve and go to the top of the pile, top of the heap. Um, and it's interesting, if you get back into the personality, so the sociological flavor of each shavit, 
you have Shevet God over there. We identified God, God Gedidi Gedenu, a major soldier as Chesed Malchus, harnessing harnessing the attribute of Chesed Malchus or Malchus, if you uh, upgrade. So there, um, this matches up with Yiftach. You know, he's living in a land of people who ha- are fierce warriors, fierce soldiers, and their people are adaptive. But he wants to rise above that. Goes to the land of Tov. He goes over to Manasha. So he's dwelling in a Yisod area, living it up, probably financially successful, and immediately they gather around him, empty men, and they went out with him. So instantly he's needed as a leader in the Jewish people. Instantly people gather around him, the Pratim and the cloth. So he that he's like he's a crown that's a magnet. <laughs> it sucks in other pieces of gold. It sucks in the magnet. Already he has Malchus leadership in his hands. So there had there there was a period of time when the children of Ammon would make war with Israel. So the Gavura nation is challenging, trying to make a tikkun, strengthen Israel. They waged war against Israel. The elders of Gilad went to Yiftach and said, Come and be our chief. We will do battle with the children of Ammon. Yiftach said, Well, you hated me. You drove me away. Now you need me when you're in help. The leader said, this is why we came back to you. Yes, we need you. Yes, you will be the leader. Yiftach said, if you bring me back to do battle with the children of Ammon and Hashem delivers them before me, I will become your leader. The elders said to him, may Hashem bear a witness between us if we do not do according to your word. So they swore that this would be. Pause. Interestingly, Yiftach mentions Hashem's name. It seems to be at some sort of learning. Um, and he judges Israel later. Interesting. And this is the famous Talmudic dictum. The Gemara talks about you must listen to the leaders, leaders in your generation. Uh, Moshe and his generation, Shimon and his generation, and Yiftach and his generation. People often think it's talking about Gidon, because Gidon's also over here. No, 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 it says Yiftach. <laughs> Yiftach means to open up. He opened, he, those times were closed off. He opened them up to have some semblance of religion, Yahadus, Kodesh Baruch Hu, and that was through this flash of Keser, of showing how Jewish people need to be united to have a leader. At least one third of this recipe from Malchus, chip on the shoulder and leadership of Yiftah. There is a very Malchus exchange here between Yiftah and, and his, his emissaries, his message, Amon, definitely in the style of Malchus, strong, aggressive rhetorical questions, strong statements, laying it out, being clear. Uh, I wanted to pause for a second also. He mentions leaving Egypt and a few uh, sentences a few psukim ago, Kadosh Baruch Hu mentioned leaving Egypt. So uh, Hashem saved them from Egypt. When was that? Was that is that talking about when they left Mitzrayim, Egypt? So actually, I'm gonna plug again the Das Mikra Bible Atlas. This very kosher, um, well researched, beautiful mapped uh, book now available in English. I've tweeted out some of the. 
key maps that I use. Working on putting them on the website. Um, Twitter at Ian Paul Bailey, Paul with two L's. And actually, history shows that Mitzrayim had a little bit of a stronghold over Israel. There actually is an Egyptian king who had a stronghold over Israel, and they found a steel, right? They found this etched. Um, it is a tombstone of Paro Marnepta. Uh, they were able to decipher this whole thing from nothing, knowing nothing what it meant. And it mentions a conquest in Israel. Israel is laid waste. His seed is not. Some of that poetic language. So it's possible that when they were saved from Mitzrayim, there was another time here during the times of Shoftim. Very cool. Again, kosher archaeology. So the children of Ammon do not listen to Yiftach's arguments. And the spirit of Hashem was upon Yiftach. He passed through Gilad and he passed through Manasha. Remember, he was hanging out near there or in there. He passed through Mitzpeh and Gilad, and from Mitzpeh, he went through to the children of Ammon. So in our whole picture over there, you know, on the right side of your vision, the right side of the Jordan River, in the desert nomadic tribes, was the nomadic tribe of Ammon, uh, and there's Moab over there too. So he went all the way down. And he makes this famous vow that whatever comes out of his house, he will bring it as a korban, an offering. And he crossed over to do battle with the children of Ammon. Hashem delivered them into his hand. He struck a bunch of cities that are mentioned um, here, and also some of them in the Chumash, the five books of Moses. And Yiftach came back to his home in Mitzvah, but his daughter came outside. So two things here. Number one, he did not call... Ephraim to come and battle with him, as was done multiple times in the previous program, in the previous chapters over here. People would call upon the local uh, Jewish people to come and help them. And again, that's what it means to learn war. This is why uh, many people were successful in Soviet Russia or in the uh, Revolutionary War because people were learned in protection and uh, the founding fathers were able to get a certain amount of weapons and unity they're able to go out and meet and even though in soviet russia and in czechoslovakia they did not have weapons uh, when the agents came to their home they would call upon a bunch of people in the area and they would nudge them out stress them out uh, in uh, czechoslovakia a bunch of people from both sides of the issue the citizens the victims they walked around at night with uh, candles until Ceausescu and the military gave up because they knew there was civil, massive civil disobedience there. So, so knowing war uh, is not necessarily being brutish and always fighting. In fact, this is what many people are advising in our times where a lot of control and power is being taken. Um, it's Parshish Noach yesterday, and I saw an interesting midrash that talked about how in those times, the people were Oshkim and Ashukim. They were exploiting and oppressing other people. If you remember the whole Midrash about taking peas out of the basket until people were starving to death. And the people who fought back against the oppressors were too aggressive, and that was also a problem. They were supposed to 
In the Midrash HaMavur, it says they were supposed to uh, go use the court systems and more civilized methods for bringing people to justice. Of course, there's a time and, pl there's a time and place to fight, of course, but the idea is that that can also be misused. People standing up for justice when it's right can also be misused and must be done in the right way. Um, so before we get to that whole Ephraim issue in Parakid Bays, I want to talk about the the, tra the tragedy of Yiftach over here. So to me, the issue to focus on here is not that he's such a horrible abusive person who's trying to make his daughter into an offering and she has to suffer. It's really a double step, a two-step crime of ignorance and then arrogance. Okay, So initially, if he was more of a learned person, he could know that a person can get his vow changed or an offering, a human being is not an offering, perhaps it would be a tamura you'd donate the value, or you would go to a chacham and get rid of the netter. So part of his crime here is ignorance, which is a big crime, and that really reflects, you know, our times. We accept not only corrupt people as leaders, but ignorant people. If we were more vigilant, if we harnessed our own malchus inside of all of us, we would be more skeptical. We would look for loopholes. We would demand more transparency in government. But we haven't done that, and we are in a serious pickle in the United States, in Israel, uh, God willing, in the Kodesh Baruch Hu, God runs the universe. So we're not going to stress too much about it. We'll see what we can do. But, you know, accepting leaders that are not only corrupt but ignorant is a huge flaw. And it only leads to problems as he has empty men with him. There's going to be conflict with Ephraim, civil war. This is really the first major inklings of any kind of civil war, the tragedy of his daughter. So the first is a crime of ignorance, major lesson to us. And the second one is a crime of arrogance. So Kesser, okay? Kesser means all of the different parts have to fit into the Kalal. All the parts have to fit in the Kalal tightly. So when a man like Yiftach is harnessing Malchus in the wrong way, he will go and just kill Ephraim. Did Ephraim use a language of Vodazara, Sibboleth, instead of Shibboleth? They did. Did David Amalek strike down people judging them right away? He did. But it's not always the right time and place. Sometimes David Amalek said, let him curse me. Sometimes David Amalek took time, took counsel. That's what's lacking. And we will, we will see that when we get to Ibsan, the message of Ibsan. Malchus needs wisdom as well. That's the Netzach Sheva Malchus. Even in Malchus, there's Netzach. Even in kingship, there has to be wisdom. And take and try, take a listen to my Sfirah uh, Omer, my 49 Steps podcast, season one of the Seven Ways podcast. Here, he's misusing the call in the prod. Everything has to fit into the call. His, his daughter's the he said the thing about his daughter? I'm a man of my word. I can't go back on my word. And the Midrash highlights here that Pinchas was around. And he could have gone to Pinchas to get his vow annulled. Shalohaya ben Torah. Avadis bito. He was not a ben Torah. He lost his daughter. This is Tanhumah b'chukosai. 
And then, you have Bracious Rabba, Vikaraba, Tanhuma Bukhosai. That's Bracious Rabba, some Sivkimo, Vikaraba, Lamed Zion, Dalit here. So, he was able to get rid of his vow, the Hafranidro, to annul his vow to go to Pinchas himself. But he said, I'm the Melech. I should go to Pinchas. That is Gaiva. So just to add a little bit here. So we have, I think Kina, Taiva, and Kavod are the opposite of Chachma, Bina, and Das. So the opposite of Das is Kina. So the opposite of Das is like to go beyond oneself. The visual acumen. When someone's Barabbas Mitzvah, they have Das, they can finally fully connect in a relationship, not just physically, but emotionally with another. So the opposite of that is Kina. As the Malbim writes about Rachel, Kina is not pure emotional jealousy. Jealousy is the outgrowth of it. Kina is to look at something and compare. Okay? And it could be sincerely you pray after you compare. But it also could be that you're jealous. So Taiva... Physical desire matches up with Bina. Bina in this context means intuition. So the wisdom of the body, the wisdom of sensing and feeling something, which is still connected to the brain, it still has a wisdom there. That is Bina. It's the comparing physical objects or feeling something by way of intuition. And the opposite of that is Taiva, which is physical desire. The body's anxious and needs something, it's not about what you're eating, it's about what's eating you. Or, you know, fe feeling something of a lacking and a need and assuaging the feeling. Then you have Chachma and Kavod. So someone wants a lot of wisdom. If someone has a lot of wisdom, they need to be humble to get that wisdom a lot, which is what Rashi at the beginning of Hulin talks about. If someone's uh, humble, they can hear better. Wisdom is in the facts and details which is Gevura, or it is uh, intellectual wisdom, which is Neitzach. So, factual, yeah, Chachma, factual information, the opposite of that is covered. I need a lot of covered. That makes someone forget learning. They don't listen to others. They have their own unhealthy, narcissistic information. So I think you add on to their Kesser, the opposite is Gaiva, conceitedness, arrogance. Kesser and Malchus is supposed to be one man uses his own brain as a healthy ego to filter out everything in society. One decision maker, one man rooting out the loopholes. And the opposite is be conceited. It's all about me, unhealthy ego. Um, right, so here, here if he's, I'm the Melech. Well, I'm, I'm the default king. I'm going to go to Pinchas. And Pinchas says, well, I'm the Kohen Gadol. And a son of a Kohen Gadol. I should go next to, to this Amharet, this ignoramus. Between all this, everything became a tragedy. And Vishnehem they both are culpable for her blood being spilled. Pinchas lost the Ruch HaKodesh. And that's why it says in Bintibar Hayamim, so forth. And Yiftach was 
ripped apart limb by limb and buried. And that's why it says he was buried in the cities of Gilad. Not just one, but many cities. It means it slipped off. It fell off. And he's buried in many places. This is Mida Kanegamida, just like the limbs of a korban. Wow. The, the limbs of an offering are cut off, so too his limbs were cut off. So Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan have a disagreement. Rabbi Yochanan says he should have brought the value of her onto the Mizbeach. Rabbi Lakish says he doesn't have to bring anything because a behemoth Tamea, an impure animal, is not brought. And humans have that status, even though we're not really animals, we've got a faculty of brain, that's the halachic status. Okay, so... That is the tragedy. It's one of ignorance and arrogance. That is the message. The message, the message is not that this cruel Jewish man treated his daughter like an animal and made her hide somewhere. She did this as a stricture, or it was a conclusion that they came amongst themselves. Uh, but the point is to always seek wisdom, wisdom in our leaders, and humility to confer with others. Okay, Parakid Bayes, chapter 12. The men of Ephraim mustered themselves. Lots of mustard. No. They aroused themselves to come. They said to Yivtach, when you crossed over to go fight, why did you not call upon us? We should burn down your house. Fire upon you. Oh, look at that. They should throw some gavura at them. Gavriel, fire, gavura. They should throw some fire at them, not because it's, uh, you know, um, taking away from him, he, they're saying you're causing a separation amongst us. We should make a we should make a separation among you, drive you away, make a bald spot in the land. Akerach. Yitach said, "I was a great man of strife." Conflict. There's that the conflictual world worldview that he has. I and my people and the Bnei Amon, we had this big fight, and I summoned you which it doesn't quite say in the Pasuk, but you did not save me from their hand. I saw that you were not helping, so I placed my life in my hand and crossed over, and Hashem delivered me into your hand. Why have you come to take up a war with me? So Yiftach assembled all the men of Gilad and made a war against Ephraim. So he's seeing now that within Ephraim, is not, there's, a, there's not a good prot to put in the claw. They're just being defensive. You guys are not proper to be in Israel. You need to be smacked down to stay away. They occupied the crossings of the Yardin against Ephraim. The people of Ephraim would lie when they were traveling and they would make them say the famous say Shibolas and they would say Sibboleth because they could not enunciate properly. It's perhaps a Vodazara statement. It sounded like an idolatrous word, so they said that. They would seize them and slaughter them. That is crossing the line there. Killing individuals because they spoke up about not being included. So this whole shibboleth sibboleth thing, if it's a language of idolatry, Yiftach killing them could be in order. If it's not, then it's a very dramatic representation of how Kesser is being... Utilize here. 
so what's going on uh, psychologically speaking in between this interaction of Ephraim and Yiftach? Psychologically speaking, human beings want to feel significant. We feel significant by being activated and useful and part of something. And we feel significant by being part of a group as well, being included. So, you know, Yiftach's whole life is, forget you guys, I'm out of here. You know, and in your life, have you ever felt like you wanted to leave a group? A relationship but you couldn't or maybe you did that disgruntled for the good that chip on your shoulder for a good cause is extremely important many people and I deal with this in my psychotherapy practice ha have a hard time leaving groups family relationships people adapt to the relationship if it's an individual in a personal intimate relationship if it is uh, family, but they need to push on to be independent from it, not to be enmeshed. They have to increase their self-esteem and their separate um, individuality and strength. Or they, you know, and if they stay with someone, both people have to grow. So, Yiftach feeling all disgruntled for the for the better. That's something to activate you and I. You know, forget this group. I'm so sick of this group. I'm out of here. Forget you guys. I'm going home. Get fired up sometimes. Use that disgruntled feeling of not being included or being mistreated to activate yourself and your the malchus side of you. Everyone, we all have these mitos in, the, in part. In terms of Ephraim, you know, Ephraim wants to feel significant. It relates to Yosef and all that Yosef personality. It relates to us as well. You know, there, there was a study about useless jobs. The real term is BS jobs. I don't want to swear. But, you know, people are in jobs that are mostly or totally useless. They are not really working. They're sitting there staring at a screen. People are just patching up other people's jobs and fixing things. People, those people go mad. They can't stand it. You would think that people who sit there and play, you know, video games would feel good. They actually don't. You know, my mother was disabled, and she actually wished she could work. You know, we all think about, I'd love to be home and sitting on the couch watching TV. We enjoy relaxing after we're satisfied from the work we did. That is the human experience to work. There's no Hebrew word for retirement. And then we rest the Sabbath in the, and in the evening at the right time. Humans, even in jobs where we feel mostly useful, we don't like the needless paperwork. So when it comes to Ephraim and Yosef, you know, especially when someone has an innovative personality, they have lots of creative thoughts, they really want to be utilized at work. I'll expand that to you and I. If we just have regular ideas, how much more so? A fortiori, kabachomer. If we have advanced ideas, we really want to be utilized at work. If the administration feels insecure and they don't want to use our ideas, that's a weakness. It's actually a strength to, to say, you know what, I will utilize people's ideas. I'll bring them to the forefront. And that's really malchus. You know, malchus is a female word. And yiftach, to be open, I think that in this sense, 
It does mean Yiftach to develop. It's a, he's, Yiftach is developing the Jewish people. He's opening their abilities. But also to be open. He's received. He, Keser is a receptacle for everything. It's a parallel to Chesed. It's a claw that has all the Pratim. But it's different because it's so tight. Everything goes through the ego filter of Keser. That's the, the manifestation of it on a psychological, sociological level but also on a philosophical and practical spheros level. Um, so people um, want to feel utilized and useful. So Ephraim here is saying, you know, why didn't you call us? You don't need us. We should burn your house down, meaning we should make a bald spot with your stuff or you and your stuff. You are not a man who is the apex of the pyramid or, you know, who is, is Malchus, who is holding everything together. Malchus being female, feminine, it does not mean it's a feminine pink situation. Women are strong. You know, each men, men and women have their own strength. It's different. The strength and the giving of men and a woman on a gender level, they each have that. But it's different style, different flavor. The reason why Malchus is feminine, it's a mashal, as with everything else. It receives everything else. The best Malchus is just all the other six spheros within one big receptacle, activated. The king, Ein Melech Bli'am, the king has to have a nation. He is the executor of the will of the people. Almost a thesis statement. So that's Yiftach here. He is op he's open, he's receiving, he is the Malchus here. And as that, as such, Ephraim is saying, you are not Malchus. You, you, we should make a bald spot on the land for you. You're nothing. We should, we should get rid of you. You're just a prat in the claw. And Yiftach, um, you know, if he murders them because they're doing a Vodazara, fine. If he's just saying, you're not part of this claw either, I should kill you. You know, that could be going too far. But at least in a philosophical sense, he's saying, you need to know your role. You know, people who walk around saying... I need to be utilized. I'm so great. To most people, it's just that petulant arrogance that people think uh, Yosef has. Whereas Yosef just wants to be sharing and part of something. It's not petulance, even though there's inexperience there. It's completely different. Different personalities, different perspectives. Um, so here, you have two entities Yiftach and Ephraim, they both want to be utilized. They want to be part of something, um, but they can't get there. Yiftach ends up making a deal and winning, so he's this chieftain. And Ephraim ends up getting smacked down because of this little civil war of their their own trumping up. Um, that's the deeper story. And you know, Dear listener, you might have had a time in your life when you were working somewhere, they didn't want to hear your ideas, you didn't feel utilized, you weren't productive. It's very lame. Or perhaps you had to work a lower-wage job before you can get to the higher situation. It's very hard. It's hard to concentrate. It's hard to feel competent. But that, like Ephraim, wants to be utilized. So do you and, and humans don't really want to have a status quo of laziness and slothfulness, the status quo. Humans actually want to work. Adam la'am al-yulad. Man was made to toil. 
Yiftach judged Israel for six years, an incomplete cycle. He did not get the seventh year, the Malchus year. He died and was buried in the cities of Gilad. As we said before, his body atrophied and died piecemeal. That was his atonement for his daughter. As we finish off the last several shoftim here, we must do a cursory general understanding of the upper three spheros. Because the thesis here is that we are not going only through the seven lower spheros to show exhaustively that none of the spheros, if used improperly, are going to save the day, bring the malchus. But we also have the upper three spheros. So let's go through them. Those, the upper four. At any given time, it's three. Shifted from four. Kesa replaces Das. And that's reflective of the world we live in and the study I did that if Kesser is involved, if Malchus is involved, usually there's more Chesed and Gavura, there's more street, there are more street followers uh, you, that, that become along because the Malchus is so aggressive and dictatory when there is other systems and other people in charge. You have more of a balance of the personalities. And I assume, oh boy, it's late at night as usual. I assume that there will be the integration one day, as it says in the Nabi, Yehuda and Yisrael coming together. Ephraim, Yehuda, Yosef, everyone. So, upper spheros. When it comes to Chachma, I understand that in this context to be factual knowledge. So you have Gavura and Netzach fall under the rubric of Chachma. There are Chachma Midos. Gavura is understanding each prat. What is the factual information? It's the S on the Mars Briggs. Whereas Netzach is uh, NT, understanding information, but getting sort of deeper idea behind it, the original intent of the author, more intuitive sense, less quite literal. They both have to do with the auditory faculty of the human. And if you parallel Chacham bin Adas and Keser with Kina, Taiva, and Kavod, and Gaiva, I add, then here, the opposite of knowledge is Kavod, honor. If I spurn honor and I'm humble, I'm able to listen to wisdom, as Rashi at the beginning of Hulan talks about. If I am arrogant, I want the kavod. I can't really listen to, to the wisdom of others. You also have das, which is the visual faculty that is uh, going beyond oneself, seeing uh, beyond oneself. This is related to Tiferis and Yusod. Tiferis is the visual capability uh, relating to um, art and creativity. It could be the visual arts, but also uh, auditory music, which is also through the imagination and auditory imagination. Um, and Einstein and inventions also. Inventions are usually advanced through imagination, not just through looking through the physics of the universe and seeing something missing, a gap. Einstein picturing himself on a photon on a beam of light relating to his developments within his theory of relativity and, and light um, in the universe and parallel lines. 
So there's that. Also, I want to add in here to make sense, um, just as a sidebar, Tiferes is really a mizug of chesed and gevurah. It's a blending of chesed and gevurah. So chesed is not being non-judgmental. Gevurah is being judgmental. Tiferes comes along as a blending of the two, the klal shiver prat, the whole chesed klal subsumed in the gevurah prat, the universe in the grain of sand, the snow globe representing a city. So Tiferes relates to Rachamim. Rachamim could be understood as chesed, type of kindness, but really it is a kindness of amnesty and compassion that supersedes human understanding. So even though it's an act, a gavura act of letting go, self-restraint, it, it connects to the claw, the abstract claw of godly compassion. And, it's, and that's why it's related to prayer. Tiferes and prayer are synonymous. You know, prayer is not just music per se, but using one's words, technical words on this earth, to affect abstract entities in heaven. So that's why Yaakov, everything Yaakov does is nitty-gritty, but it relates to something more spiritual, etc. This will come into play in a minute. The last thing, you have the binamidos, which relate to the kinesthetic faculty, and that is chesed and hod. So chesed is comparing physical objects together. There's this prat and that prat, and there's me, and there's you, and am I normal, and you're normal, who's who, who's who. It's humanistic compassion. Hod is physical intuition, emotional compassion, viewing individuals as significant, beyond oneself, uh, not idolizing people, what's the word, is viewing people in esteem as physical entities. Um, and that relates to the kinesthetic faculty, as we said. And just to finish it off, Kesser, I wanted to call it ego reflection, but there's already something called that in psychology. So it's sort of an ego filter. There's one person who runs the information through his mind or her mind, that is the king, the queen, but also, let's say somebody is like Hode, the personality in my system of Hode, Malchus. They, they kind of will run the Chesed organization. They believe that their approach to giving and being emotional with people is the best. I can only understand my total faculty. And if they're being more humble, if they're taking away the opposite of Chesed is Gaiva, pure arrogance, the unhealthy king. If they are being the opposite of Gaiva, which is a certain humility, then they can, you know, refine their filter that even though they're the one in charge, they're the filter, that they do what's right for the people. So the opposite of the visual faculty is Kina. That's the jealousy aspect of it. The opposite of the physical kinesthetic faculty is Taiva, physical pleasure. The opposite of, as we mentioned, Chachma is Kavod, I'm wise and I'm humble to listen, or I'm arrogant, full of myself. And then similar but different, the Gaiva of Malchus, complete arrogance, everything is me, I'm the ego, ego planet, ego universe, um, versus Kesser from Malchus. So those are the four attributes and the four downsides. Kina, Taiva, Kavod, Gaiva. Kachma, Bina, Das, and Kesser.
So those are all the spheros. All right, let's get into the last um, three shoftim, and you'll see why I mentioned this here. So you have Ibtsan. Ibtsan, they say, is Boaz. So if you understand my commentary about this type of thing until now, almost always, not always, but almost always, if, if the Chazal say X person is really Y, it means they have the same personality and behavior. And we know that Boaz from the Book of Rus, the Book of Ruth, is a big rav, big rabbi, head of the rabbinical court, based in. So immediately you have the Netzach, really the Chachma element, um, the wisdom, but he's also in Beis Lechem, which is in Yehuda. He is part of the Malchus line. So immediately you have a Chachma person coming to a Malchus area. So you're getting rid of Kavod, getting rid of Gaiva. You have Chachma, the humility to listen, and um, Keser, the humility side of Malchus, killing two birds with one stone. And that does relate to Yiftach. This is a, an advancing, a Tikkun, cosmic fixing for Yiftach because of Yiftach would have humbled himself to listen to halacha, to study more. None of the cataclysms would have happened that occurred in his days. Alon the Zvulunite. So here we have Das. Zvulun, we understand, to be Chesed Yisod, or perhaps harnessing Midas Yisod. They are up north, and they go parallel to the Malchus Yisod nation of the Tzidonim, Zele Umazeh, Jewish people matching up with non-Jewish people. The Tzedonim and Zebulun are these incredible businessmen that go and make a lot of money. They have maritime businesses, local businesses, etc. Extremely das, very Yosef, visual flourishing capacity. That's the Zebulun part of it. And alone itself means a tree. The tree is reflective of Yisod. I match up the seven colors, seven musical notes to the seven spheros. So Yisod is green in my schema. There are other schemas in Chesed Um Look around. But this is my you know, practical approach to the spheros. Green is flourishing, growing. And now we get into uh, the other Das side, which is the Tiferes and the Davani and the Rachamim. So about the Mishkan... Why does it say the boards of the Mishkan are standing? The Shittim, perhaps Acacia would, because the second opinion, they're standing. Perhaps you might say, if they're taken apart or they're destroyed, or whatever, that they lose their chance and they lose their hope. Uh, they lose their. Hope is lost and their chance is abandoned when they're stored away. The Pesach says, Omdim, they're always standing now and even forever. It's a reminder, symbolism, but also a direct reminder that we can always pray. Okay, so the, the Mishkan itself has kind of these boards that are pointing upwards. Instead of using idolatrous boards of this gay, uh, natural, lowercase g god, it is... Um, simple, pure, straightforward wood pointing upwards to remember 
That's the Tefera side of it. So Elon has a Buluni, comes along to make a Tikkun for Das. And then you have Avdon, son of Hillel. So Hillel, we learn to be, it's a, it's also a Tefera. I mean, it means praise, praying to God. But in terms of Avdon, Evet, Avdus, Avraham, Avdi. So what is servitude? Servitude is humanistic giving, which is Chesed. So this is a kinesthetic Mita with, along with Hod, I humble myself, I find the specialness in others. The specificity, the prat, the individual, is Chashub without the Kalal. And the Pereoson, the payback for Yosef. So Avdon is in um, Pereoson, which is in Ephraim. Yeah, so... Which it says right in the Pasuk. So once again, Ephraim, extremely potent Mita. And it, what it needs is a full Tikkun for the physicality part of it. So the physicality part of it with regards to Yosef. Um, I differentiate between what I call Tuffy Sod and Softy Sod. Tuffy Sod, so to speak, is the Menasha, is the when Yosef is going to be a leader, assertive, strong businessman. I believe that's why. Physically in the land of Israel, Manasseh is inside and outside of Israel to show that he's part of structuring the Jewish people and part of the connection to the outside world for quote-unquote secular knowledge, secular business. That is what you call like vertical leadership, strong leaders in charge. Whereas Ephraim is supposed to have this horizontal leadership leading from the side, uh, coming along with knowledge and influence, but not aggressive leadership. So you have Yehoshua coming with the spies. You have Yosef in prison with the um, baker, the royal butler and the royal bartender. Royal baker and the royal bartender. Ephraim placed here in Israel. That is what I call softy. So by soft, I mean it has to do with intuition and feeling. So here, Avdon and the kinesthetic aspect is telling, Yos telling us you have to be careful with this powerful Mida. It might lead to physical pleasure, whether it's eating, drinking, intimate relations, Potiphar's wife. You have to be careful, and you must remember to use intuition, use your sense, your intuitive sense with interactions in the world, not just to rush into things. Intuition is not, again, I repeat, it's not just um, emotional feeling. It is something linked to the mind. There are many studies on the fact that our sense and our gut reaction can be very accurate when, when it's trained. So that is the fixing, the cosmic fixing that is going on here. So, in summary, Ibtsan comes along to give wisdom and humility to the kingship and to wise rabbis. Elon comes and gives prayer and social flourishing to these businessmen so they don't become too steeped in their money. It gives it a heat of prayer to God and interactive uh, humanity almost, a human element to it. And Abdon comes along to make sure that the Yisod Mida, that Ephraim is soft Yisod, is providing horizontal leadership, the intuition of Yosef in prison. He senses one thing, he asks a question. Why do your faces look off today? But he senses a certain feeling. And 
not providing aggressive leadership, but intuitive leadership and being careful not to be physically indulgent. Buried by the Amalek Mountain in Ephraim, once again, the Amalekites represent being so open-minded and anti-religion that one has to attack religion and so open-minded your brain falls out versus Yisod, which is open-minded to make sure that all the little Klipos, all the little aspects of the secular world are highlighted within the Torah, that they're kosher, but not so much that one's brain falls out. So thus ends sort of the first third of this book, which is to set up the story of how Israel had these autonomous zones and Swiss cheese. It was to show how first Malchus and then through all of the seven spheros, and then the four upper spheros were revealed and used to attack idolatry. And they were ineffectual because they did not have a full religious revival and proper political plans. Excuse my alliteration. And that ends here with these um, upper spheros and the next third of the book, so to speak, in terms of topics, is Shimshon, sort of a quintessential show fate and what's missing, demonstrating what's missing in Malchus. And in the end, two stories that end off on a sour note to punctuate what is going on in this book. I hope you enjoyed this Seven Ways podcast. Say for show, Tim. Uh, please, um, Subscribe, tell your friends, send an email to rabbibailey at gmail.com. That's E-Y, rabbi at rabbibailey.com. I'd love to hear from you. Follow on the Facebook page or Twitter. Feel free to converse, ask questions, give your insights. I would love to share your insights with the group. Have a blessed day. Chazak v'amatz.